What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Y'all, I could just sit there and worship all day. I'd be good with that. Y'all, I gave my testimony about, I don't know, four or five weeks ago now at the church and, uh, I talked to him about my spot to get with God was always in my bedroom, on my bed, with my guitar. As I was a teenager, even though there were times I lived like a heathen, let's just be real, I always had that bed and that guitar to go back to. Amen? Y'all should have your own spots, right? I don't know where your prayer closet is. Maybe in the other place I love to pray and talk to God is outside. How many of y'all like being outside? I love being outside in nature. I used to take hikes on walking trails just to hike the trail and pray while I talked to God and hiked. And look, I was by myself. I was one of those guys that grew up by myself. And that's a good place to be. I'm fine. I'm good with that. As long as me and Jesus are there, we got enough company, right? See, y'all forget you're never alone. Father, Son, Holy Spirit's all with you. So all of you in the house, right? Yeah. Now, I can't explain that to you because they're three and one. Or I tell you there was four, but there's not because it's still one God. Amen? Yeah. But with that, them on your side, it's like the song said earlier. If he's for us, who can be against us? Y'all realize that scripture? Oh, man, y'all don't? Okay. I'll try. I'm going to give you one more chance. Y'all realize that scripture? Okay, a few of you do. That is, it's a song, if I'm not mistaken, correct? It's a song. If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, if you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Trent Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. We planted Next Level Freedom Church at the Jackson Civic Center five years ago, coming up here in September. And we are in a different location now. But God is doing big things. And Pastor Stephen, last Wednesday was good. You know what? We were there till 10 o'clock last night, too, just praying over people. And what did we do? We did the same thing. We called the youth up. Only this time we had them line up on the front row. And Prophet Devin gave them a word. Amen? And some of them were like, wow, you know, how did he know that? That's just God, right? So you see, some of y'all aren't used to the prophetic, but it's real. Let me just tell you, it's real. God can read your mail. He can, better than anybody else. He knows where you're at. Y'all ever had those encounters where you get a conviction from God? See, I ain't even started the message. We're just having fun, amen? It was one of those convictions. I'll tell you what, I would, let me just remind you, I wasn't always a Christian, right? I wasn't always safe. See, a lot of times we tend to think that pastors and preachers and evangelists and prophets and apostles and whoever else I left out, we're all always holy, right? But what people don't realize is we all came from somewhere. Somewhere we were in a mess and God delivered us. And there's an amen. In, I'm glad we got an amen back there. Amen. God delivered us. There is an amen in your spirit that you can't explain to someone that's never felt it. Amen. We'll get y'all talking tonight here in just a minute. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to wake up. That was some good worship, but it's time to wake up. Amen. I'm going to talk to you about this topic tonight. guess I better get started or we'll never get into it. Amen. I believe God gave me this word. He drew this. I'm just going to be real with you guys. I had ideas of where I might go with this. And last night, God brought it all together. See, I had had an idea. Then I changed the idea. And you know, God brought me full circle back to the original idea, only it wasn't where I thought it was. Amen? Here's my question to you tonight. Are you a victim or a victor? Victor. 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 Well, we're going to find out. 
Let me give you the definition of a victim. Y'all, is it okay if I let my evangelist spirit in me out here today? If I get fired up, y'all just forgive me. I'm just an old Southern Baptist when I grew up. So we got fired up a little bit, amen? A victim. Let me give you the dictionary. I don't remember. I Googled it probably, and here's what came up. Victim. A person who suffers from a destructive or injurious action or agency. I looked at that, I'm like, eh. But check out definition number two. Tell me if this doesn't talk to today's world that we're living in. Definition number two of a victim is a person who is deceived or cheated as by his or her own emotions or ignorance, by the dishonesty of others, or by some impersonal agency. Now don't that talk about your society you live in today. People are ignorant to the fact that there is help out there. See, some of y'all get offended when we use that. Y'all realize we're all ignorant about something. Come on. You know what the word ignorant means? It just means you don't know. And none of you in here know everything. Some of you might think, you might know somebody that thinks they don't raise your hands. Some things, some people, y'all know people that think they do. Know what? They got it all figured out. They don't. Here's what I found out. I surrendered to ministry 23 years ago. And I remember going to the altar. And at 23 years ago, I was 18 years old. Uh-oh, I'm telling myself here. And at 18, when God called me, he started revealing stuff like crazy in this Bible to me. So I thought, as I got like in my early 20s, that I had it all figured out. Right? How many of y'all realize that the older I got, the more I realize I don't really know anything? Y'all realize that, right? Some of y'all can testify with me tonight. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know. So, uh, so the definition of a victim, how many of y'all know that we live in a society full of people with the victim mentality? They're a victim. They, y'all ever notice, see, this is something to notice, and I've always questioned this. Why is it? That people always try to one-up the other person on how bad they got it. Y'all been in those conversations. Come on. Well, I've had this going on, preacher. I've had this, or, or I've had this going on. I'm not even happy to be a preacher. You talk to me. And that person, when they come back with, oh, well, I've had this happen to me, right? It's a victim mentality. We got to break the chains. We got to let God transform our minds. Let me just tell y'all, I'll give you one of my points a little bit early. If you're a victim, you're not going anywhere. But if you're a victor, you recognize the authority you have in Jesus Christ. Because that's where the authority comes from. Some of y'all thought it was the preachers, didn't you? Nah, it ain't them, trust me. I know too many preachers. <laughs> and I'm one of them, I'll be first to tell you, I mess up on a daily as well. Amen? If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus. But here's the definition of a victor. So we know a victim is someone who's deceived into thinking. They're ignorant. They've been dis people have been dishonest to them. So they, they've been deceived into thinking they're in a bad position. Amen? Let me give you the definition of a victor. Y'all ready? A victor. A person who has overcome or defeated an adversary. A conqueror. My mind immediately goes to Jesus. All right, all right, so let me back up. I'm going to give y'all a chance here in just a second. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. All right, here we go. A person who has overcome or defeated an adversary or a conqueror. How many of y'all know the devil is already a defeated foe? And he has got nothing on you. The only thing he has on you is your thought process. He gets in your mind. He tries to deceive you. Matter of fact, y'all ever been reminded of your past a little bit? See, somebody, see, that's one of, I think, one of his favorite tricks. If he can keep you living in the past, you'll never live like a victor. Because you're going to live like a victim. Oh, come on. In this society that we're living in now, they want people to feel like victims. Y'all notice that? They want you to feel like victims so that you'll depend on them, right? Yeah. Y'all say, I don't depend on anybody but Jesus, amen? amen? Go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, it's okay. 
He's getting started. Here we go. Acts chapter 16. That was the introduction. Is that okay? All right. Acts chapter 16. Oh, definition number two of Victor. It wasn't as effective, but it said a winner of any struggle or contest. I like the first one, the conqueror. Someone that's already defeated an adversary. Let's just remind the devil tonight. Everybody say it with me. Devil, devil. you are a defeated foe. And I put you under my feet. Now, Jesus, open my heart. Open my ears to what you have for me tonight. And I'll throw one more in there. Help me to be a victor. Acts chapter 16. We find an interesting story. Some of you may be familiar with this passage. I'm going to be reading out of the ESV for most of the time here tonight. Acts chapter 16, verses 16 and 18 is where I want to start. Because I want you to notice something. It says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. How many of y'all know what that is? Ooh, it's like a fortune-telling spirit, amen? They look into the future of things that they don't have no business looking at. And brought her owners much gain by, what's it say? Fortune-telling. Verse 17. Check this out. I want y'all to catch something here. It says, She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing it for many days. I mean, y'all thinking, well, that should be a good thing, right? They're there to deliver salvation. Check out the next part. Verse 18 there as we continue. She kept doing it for many days, and Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Point number one, if you're taking notes tonight, y'all ready? Paul stood his ground. Oh, y'all realize there are deceptive spirits at work, too. The Bible says test the spirits. Amen? And we've talked about this all the time at Next Level. Y'all realize that God gives gifts without repentance. So that means if you were called to be a prophet, you can prophesy whether you're living for God or not. I'm going to let you dwell on it. Y'all thinking, like, wait, 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 what do you mean, preacher? Yeah. Ask Prophet Devin. He's in the back. He strayed for many years. We don't have to go into details. But he could still prophesy. And he could still hit the nail on the head. Because here's how the Bible tells you to test. By the fruits. Amen. Okay, y'all gonna wake up in a minute. So let me ask, let me just say this. As she's following around, Paul gets annoyed. So what Paul does says, in the name of Jesus, get out of her. And it leaves. See, victims are no good in a situation like this. Uh-oh. It's all right. I'm going to keep preaching. Whether I get some amens or not. If you got a victim mentality, you ain't no good in a situation like this. What do you mean? Only a believer who is walking in victory can cast out a demon. Matter of fact, Jesus told his disciples, some of them only come out by prayer and fasting. Very good. Here's what James 4, 7 tells us. So I don't want you to get discouraged, but think about this. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God, therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. See, everybody wants to do that second half and say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. They forget about the first part. What does the first part of the verse say? It says, submit yourselves to who? God. God. Then resist the devil and he will flee from you. So it's not just resist the devil and he'll flee from you. First, you got to have some submission. I mean, I know you got to be harnessed. You got to let God have control. Total control. I didn't say let your pastor have control. And we got some good pastors in the house. They aren't the ones that need control of you. You need to let the Holy Spirit, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit get a control of you. Amen. Luke chapter 10 says it this way. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. 
See, that's where y'all was tripped up. Some of y'all didn't realize there was more than 12 disciples. In this particular story, there were 72. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Check out this next part. This is the part you need to get. You need to catch if you're going to go from a victim to a victor. You ready? Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen? Amen. Now, some churches take it to the extra extreme. They want to lay out snakes and scorpions on the floor and walk on them. I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at. He's saying, whatever evil comes against you, that may, oh, some of y'all struggle with anxiety tonight, that freaks you out. Whatever it is, he said, I've given you the authority to tread on it. What's that mean? Look at your neighbor and say, keep moving forward. Let's continue there in Acts 16, verse 19. It says, but when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. Sound like anything you've heard in your news? Come on, here we go. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd, the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. Let me just give you a heads up. They're going to regret that in a minute. In the text. Now it probably was a process of time, but in a minute in your text, they're going to regret what they just did. Verse 23 says, And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they drew them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the center prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Let me just give you point number two, and I want to talk about the stocks for a second. Because it's not talking about what's going on in New York. That's not what it's talking about. Point number two, they were condemned by men. They were condemned by man. Notice it wasn't God that condemned them. It was man. Now just watch. Those stocks. So I was curious what a stock actually entailed. And I'm one of those. I like to have a visual to go along with what I'm reading. So I looked it up. And some of y'all are familiar with the stories where they used to behead people and stick their hands and their heads in the, the wood. And they would cut their heads off. Well, this is the same thing, only it's their feet that go in the wood. Now here's what a stock is. So what a stock did is you'd either be sitting with them on the floor holding you in or they'd be up here and you'd be laying on your back. There wasn't very good options for sleeping arrangements. Amen? So it was uncomfortable. Matter of fact, uh, I got a quote here from Brian Rapsky. I think is how you say that. But let me just throw this out real quick. Paul could have had a victim mentality at this point. See, when man starts persecuting, that's when some people give up. Y'all ain't talking to me tonight. When man starts persecuting, that's when some people give up. Paul could have. See what they didn't realize. Let me just give you a sneak peek. Paul was a Roman citizen. And in order for them to treat him like that, he couldn't be Roman. They thought he was Jewish, so that's what I said. Later, they're going to regret that decision when they find out he's a Roman citizen because that's bad news for them. But let's, here's what Brian Rafsky explains. He says, the stocks normally caused extreme discomfort as the prisoner had to sleep either in a sitting position or lying down on the floor. Changing position to avoid cramping was nearly impossible. Uh-oh. So Paul got out of his comfort zone a little bit, huh? Some of y'all is mad when your bed ain't feeling just right, amen? These guys are chained, well, to the floor, to the wall, whatever it was. There was no option for comfort. Ephesians 6, 10 to 13, here's what it tells us. 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Look at your neighbor and say, whole armor. You can't just put on part of it. You gotta put on your whole armor. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. How many of y'all got? I know y'all are some land prayers. I know I got some prophets in the house that pray over the land. How many of y'all can testify to that? Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's never against flesh and blood. It's always spiritual. You don't hate the person, you hate the sin. Amen? We love the people. We hate the sin. Okay, let's keep reading. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Y'all realize Paul could have gave up when they shackled him up. He could have just said, woe is me in prison and died. But what happened? Well, we're going to keep reading. Let's find out. Some of you know the story. You're going to celebrate early. I know. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas. Look at your neighbor say midnight. midnight. So here's the deal. With those stocks, it wasn't unusual for them to still be awake at midnight. Remember we said the sleeping arrangements weren't great. It was uncomfortable. Here we go. Let's keep going. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were up unfastened. What did it? <laughs> Point number three, we take a notice. Prayer and praise lead to freedom. Uh-oh. See, it's easy to say amen and praise your hands and lift your arms, hold holy God and worship Him on Sunday mornings. Or I know you guys, Sunday afternoons, Thursday nights. It's easy to do it then. But when you're going through a trial, are your hands still up? Are you still praising Jesus? Or are you taking on the victim mentality? Woe is me, Lord. Why me, Lord? Y'all realize the righteous and the unrighteous suffer in this world. Y'all realize that, right? Suffering leads to stronger faith. Uh-oh. Let's keep going. So their prayer and their praise is what led them to freedom. Paul and Silas chose the victor mentality. Let me, let me just... While they're sitting there, imagine that they probably got cramps, right? Some of y'all get mad when you get a cramp in bed and you think you got it bad. Oh, I got a Charlie horse! It's over! You should see my daughter when she gets a Charlie horse. Where's she at? It's the end of the world. I shouldn't have pointed her out. I'm sorry, sweetie. It's the end of the world. It ain't just her little brother. And I'm sure us adults can say the same thing, amen? Because when you get a Charlie horse, it hurts, don't it? So in the middle of their cramping at midnight in the dark, they just start praising God. They start praising Jesus. Can I give you an example of a song they may have been singing? It doesn't say in the text, but can I give you one? Go to Psalm if you got your Bibles, chapter 34, 19 to 22. I just want to read this quick section. Now you realize the psalm is a song, so there was probably music to it back then. I don't know what the song was, so I'm just going to read it to you. Psalm 34, 19 and 22 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked. Look at your neighbor say, it'll slay the wicked. But check out the next part. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So they got a reason to celebrate. Amen. Amen. Jesus' blood covers the multitude of sin. That's why it couldn't have been anybody but Jesus. Y'all realize that? Amen. Couldn't have been anybody but Jesus. Continue there in verse 27. It says the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open. And he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Y'all realize 
the chains were off. They could have took off running. They were free. Right? Okay, keep listening. You'll get what I'm going with that in just a second. The jailer is about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Then all of a sudden, verse 28 says, But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Check out verse 30. Now I'm going to go somewhere with this. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So as soon as the shackles came off, as soon as they were unbound from the stocks, they could have took off running, right? They were free. But Paul stuck around and another man just came to Jesus. Okay, he hadn't yet, but he's getting ready to because he's asked the question. Y'all realize there's a question. What must I do to be saved? Now, the first thing you got to recognize is that you need saved. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. You can't think you got it all figured out and put together. No, you need saved. You need saved. From, what do I need saved from, Pastor? Well, sin. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep reading. Here's point number four. Your freedom leads to the salvation of others. When you're set free, it doesn't mean stay in your seat. Now, in Paul's case, he did, right? Because he was sitting there. He's unshackled. You don't stay in your seat. Your freedom leads to the salvation of others. So just because you're set free, what did God use this moment to do? Yet another man and his entire family, we're going to read it in just a second, came to Jesus. Because here's the point. Are y'all ready? I'm going to use both of those words. Victors save victims. There's no victims that can save victims. No, because they've still got the same mentality. But if you're a victor and you know who you are in Jesus, you can save the victims. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Romans 10, 13 to 14. This is Paul. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how, I like this, this is coming out of the Living Bible, but I like the way it's worded. Usually when I read this, I read it out of the Living Bible. Check this out. But how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? But it doesn't stop there. How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. That's our job. Y'all realize that, right? It's up to us to tell the lost in Dexter and the surrounding region that there is a God. And some of y'all may not realize this, but you'll be surprised how many people don't even know who Jesus is and have never even heard of him. In this society? Absolutely. I've talked to a few. I got the same shocked look that you just had when I when they when I told them about Jesus and they said who? Now that's sad for another reason. Can I just can I just come home tonight with it? There's enough churches in this area. Uh oh. They ought to know. There are enough churches out there. See, we got too many churches. Come on. Oh, I'm going to keep moving. Y'all realize we got churches that argue about the color of their carpet? While somebody's dying and going to hell every day in their house. Come on. We want to argue about the... I've been in the business meetings. Y'all, I'm not making this stuff up. It's like Stephen always says, you can't make this stuff up. Me and him, I'm going to tell you something. We had an amazing Bible study going when I was a youth minister. When I first got into ministry, I got hold of this guy, Brett, and we started a home Bible study at my house on Wednesday nights. We grew from 10 to 30 kids in just a couple of weeks. I'm not bragging about us. I want you to catch something. There was things happening. Kids were asking questions. They wanted to know about Jesus. We had kids getting saved. They were coming to the house. Do you know what happened 
after those couple of weeks, religion came to my house too. Can I just be real? The deacons of the church showed up in my living room. Some of them probably listening right now. Well, I forgive you. It's already forgiven. The deacons showed up to tell us we shouldn't be having Bible study at the house. It should be at the church. I didn't have to say anything. And I just tell you, the kids started standing up for themselves. And they told those deacons, they said, you know what? If this would have been in a church, I'd have never came. But because it's in his house, I come because I feel welcome here. was I just told you we argued for an hour about the color of the carpet I've never felt like I've set in a bigger waste of time in my life I've got kids receiving Jesus at my house Oh, come on, I'm going to talk to you. Come on, who it is? I like it to the side of the church. I don't like it. I don't like a pulpit between me and it. So let me just be real to you. You wanted to complain and argue for an hour about the carpet. I'm thinking in my mind, I could have been at home teaching the Bible to the kids that wanted to hear it. But instead, I gave it to you. Can I use this word at church? Your religious mojo. There's a, name, there's a meaning behind that name of the church. I didn't just name that church. God gave me that name. Next level, freedom. Church. People got to feel free to worship God. And of all places, the church should be the place it starts. But now we've got generations of religion. And no Jesus. Heard an old Baptist preacher one time. He was talking about a story of a man who went into a little old country church. He walked in, and because of the way he was dressed, the people would reject him and they kicked him out. Basically, told him, Clean up before you come in here. He walks back out the front door of the church. Jesus is sitting on the steps. And he says, Don't worry, I've been trying to get in there for years. Now, the guy told it as a joke. But to me, that's not a joke. Why would people come to your church if you won't even let Jesus in your church? If you won't even let the Spirit move in your church? Too afraid we're going to offend somebody. Let them get offended. That same Holy Spirit that's offending them will convict them and they'll get saved. Amen? I mean, y'all know we don't do the same and God does. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How are they going to know unless we're telling them about him? I've got to finish this. I'm going to go off on another rabbit trail. Here we go. Acts 16, verse 31. It says, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus. They're talking to the guy, the jailer. When he's asking, what do I got to do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved. You and, I like this part, your household. See, we've got some theologians out there. I know, but I went to school with some of them. They believe, well, that's just a, you know, that's not necessarily 100% accurate. It's just a, it's just a guide. 
Now here's what the Bible tells me. The Bible tells me. I don't forgot where I was going with that. Maybe it's not supposed to be. I'm, I'm sorry, God. I'll just keep going. But if it comes back to me, I'm going to say it. Because it's good. Amen? They spoke the Lord to him. Oh, I wonder what I was going to talk about. There's a scripture in your Bible. Do you realize that salvation of your entire household, that is scripture. Yes. If you get saved, the Holy Spirit's fire spreads. Amen? Amen. So that you go home and tell your family about it, they're going to get saved. Wow. Someone wants to look at that as well. That's, you know, that's not a guarantee. Yeah, it is. Live it. See, the problem is the houses that don't see it. I'm just going to. Can I just be real? The houses that don't see it. I don't know. I don't live in those houses. You know, but I, I think it's just because they don't live in their home. Dad goes to church on Sundays and raises his hand. But he comes home and cusses like a sailor. Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and these are the people that need saved. Don't get me wrong here. Got up with his drinking buddies the night before. Kids saw him come home drunk. He comes to church in his sunglasses. They don't have an example to follow up. Now here, let me don't take this the wrong way. Here's what I want you to understand. Those are the people we're trying to reach. We're not looking. What did Jesus say? He said, I didn't come for those that think they're well. I say think. I threw that in there. I didn't come for the well. The only people that need a physician are the sick. Jesus said, I didn't come for those that think they got it all together. The Pharisees, Sadducees, Zealots. Come on. I came for the sick to be saved. That's what we're here to do. Oh, man, I don't know if I should go there. Here we go. You ready? Me and Brad went to a concert. Let me just be real. It was a Christian rap concert. The artist's name is T-Bone. He's from 2000. Man, he was the dominant. He was, he was like one of the best. He was West Coast, all right? We showed up at this concert not far from here in Poplar Bluff. And it was probably 2000 because that's when the and that was when we first surrendered to ministry. Brett's like, I'm going to see if I remember this story. T-Bone gets up on the microphone. Stops rap, rap, and he says, how many Christians we got in the house? And all of a sudden, the crowd goes, woo! he's going nuts, right? He's like, now shut up. He's like, y'all ought to be ashamed of yourself. This place should have been full of non-Christians that needed Jesus. Because he preached for probably 20 minutes. See, Christians, we all about the God thing. But when it comes to inviting someone to church, I might offend them, Pastor. Go out and defend them. Can I just be real with you? The most they can tell you is no. And if they say no, no harm done. You move on. Okay, let's keep going. And he took them the same hour that night and washed their wounds. Here he is. The jailer's taking care of Paul and Silas. And he was baptized at once. He and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. The salvation of others leads to household deliverance. That's point number five. So we got to be leading them to Jesus so that they can go home and tell their family about Jesus and their entire household can be saved. Next thing you know, you got their kids going to school telling their friends about Jesus. And that's how the Holy Ghost fire spreads. simple. We keep coming to church looking for a good old message and some good worship. You tell them, how many people would you tell about Jesus this week? Oh, don't worry. I'm not. I'm with you. I've been to Walmart. Well, not this week. I don't go there much anymore, actually. I've been out, though. How many people in the gas station? How many people in the restaurants have we passed? How many divine appointments is we made? We left that concert that night. Another divine appointment. We were on fire, baby. We left that concert. We were like, woo! We're going to go tell people about Jesus. We're in Hopkins Bluff, by all means. We're not far from here. But we're from Illinois at the time. We're going to go tell people about Jesus. And suddenly, we pull up into the, I don't know what gas station. It's been years, y'all. We pull up in the gas station parking lot, and there's a bunch of bikers sitting there. And the Holy Spirit said, go tell them about Jesus. <laughs> 
So you know what we did? What every good Christian does, we walked on past. See, I'm with you. I get it. But we shouldn't be afraid. What's the Bible tell us? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. We couldn't even witness to a bunch of bikers, and we were on a Holy Ghost high, at least we thought. Holy Spirit doesn't go talk to them. No, God, we good. We got scared. They were in a leather jacket, man. These some big dudes. Right? Okay. Y'all can look at me like you've never been in a similar situation, and that's okay. Because I'm just going to tell you the truth tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen. Don't be intimidated by things. If the Spirit tells you to talk to someone, you need to talk by all means. I've had people come to mind that I prayed for in that moment. They'll call me up maybe a week or two later and be like, oh, man. And they find out I was praying for them at that moment. Or I call them and ask them, and oh, wow, your timing was perfect. I mean, I was going through this at that very moment, right? But I've also had the ones where they come to my mind and I didn't say a word. They came to my mind and I didn't pray. And they died. So there's enough guilt to go around. But if we're going to live in guilt, we're never going to the next level. Y'all understand that? We got to walk. I like how Pastor Stevens always talking about the spirit realm. We got to walk in the spirit realm. Nothing in this world is going to face you. What did we say earlier? If God is for us, who can be against us? So we ought to be walking and living like it. See, it's kind of like the Matrix. Y'all seen that old movie? I'm not saying there's aliens outside your brain box and you're, you're being fed this, but it's kind of like that because to them it was reality. But the reality was on the other side. They couldn't see until they took the pill. I don't know if it was the red or blue. I don't remember. It's been a long time. Right? So that's where we're at. There's a whole other realm we can't see. Matter of fact, some of you, I know some of you have seen it, but there is a realm that some of you can't see. Matter of fact, if you could see everything going on in this room tonight, all the demons and angels battling over your souls right now, it freaks some of you out. I realize we got some in the house that have seen it. All right, let's keep going. When a victim receives the victory, his testimony is what draws others to salvation. But you got to know you're a victor. It can't be. Oh, woe is me. I had the worst day. Worst day, God. Worst day. Why did this have to happen to me? Why? Because you got a victim mentality. Let's change it. Amen? Mark 5 says... He was getting into the boat, and the man who was possessed by demons begged him. This is after Jesus cast out the demons. Legion, that went into the pigs. Y'all familiar with the story? If you're not, you have to go read it. It's in Mark chapter 5. The man runs up. He's been delivered. Jesus and them are getting in the boat. That's what's going on. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might go with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. He was ready to go with Jesus, right? He had those feel-good moments. Y'all get those feel-good moments at church, amen? I know you get them here. Amen? amen. Some of y'all come from churches don't have any feel. We need to work on that. Amen? amen. All right, we get those feel-good moments, and then we want to stay there. And Jesus says, no, go home. Tell your friends. Go. Go ye therefore. See, some of y'all are still looking on your calling. What is my calling, God? What can I do? He's first told you. He told you to go. That's everybody. So while you're figuring that out, you need to go. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things of which I have commanded you. And what else did he promise? Lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And if he's with us, who can be against us? Amen? Amen? 
Having victory means having authority. Paul in Acts 16, if you continue, I need to get the story wrapped up. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the police. I want you to notice something here, because this is a victor mentality. Pay attention to what's going on. Because the world will feed you a whole bunch of lines. Y'all realize it, right? Oh, come on. Some of y'all are sleeping on me. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. I know we've been here a while. We're going. I don't know how long I've been talking. The jailer reported these words. Okay. When the day had come, the magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go and therefore come out now and go in peace. But what did Paul say? <laughs> Paul has authority. Some of us need to get that authority. Check out how Paul responds. He could have left. He could have went in peace. Paul, what's he saying? They have beaten us publicly. Uncondemned. Here's where they find out they messed up. Y'all ready? Uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. Uh-oh. They knew they were dealing with Jews. They didn't think they were dealing with Romans. Uh-oh. And have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? What's he say? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. You made a public display of the ministry God was trying to do. You made us out to look like villains or victims. And now you just want me to walk away? No, 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 no. Paul knew who he was in Jesus. Paul said, you made them come and get us and take us out where everybody can see you messed up. The police reported these words to the magistrates. Here it is. You ready? See, some of y'all didn't know Satan's kingdom. They're afraid right now. Some of y'all look at the world around you and think he's winning. He's not. The reason you're seeing the stuff going on that's going on is because he's terrified. He's losing. And he knows it. What did we say at the beginning? The devil is already a defeated foe. There's no coming back. He's beaten. Look at your neighbor and say, he's beaten. Quit letting him tell you the lies. You're not a victim. You are a victor. Now let me correct that if you know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you're not a victor yet. But you can be tonight. We're going to have that time here in just a minute. Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly. Oh, I already heard that. I'm sorry. But it said they were afraid when they heard they were Roman citizens. They were in big trouble. How many of y'all know the enemy trembles when he knows you're a citizen of God's kingdom? Uh-oh. Wait a minute. You need to feed them the lie. Make them think that they're no good and that they're victims. He's you know, sending his little minions out. Feed it. Tell them they're no good because if they think they're a victim, they'll never walk in victory. And if they don't walk in victory, nobody else is coming to Jesus. Amen? So we've got to have some bold saints that want to stand up and walk this thing out. We've got to have some saints that pay attention to the real news. What's God up to? I tell my people at Next Level, and they'll testify. They're here tonight, most of them. I tell the people at Next Level, you want to make yourself turn off the news, open your Bible, and see what God says about you. That is your best way to victory. You want to leave a victim mentality? Open the book. Not a book, the book. Find out what God says about you. Woo, we have both victory and authority through the blood of Jesus. Romans tells us, see, some people get it twisted. We're not really righteous. Y'all realize that, right? Romans tells us we're declared righteous because of the blood of Jesus. See, that's where you get off into that pride and that holier-than-thou attitude. You think you're righteous and got it figured out. You're not. You're declared righteous because of Jesus. Amen? All right. Woo. And Jesus is the best example of that. I got to wrap up.
Now I'm actually, I'm gonna skip the next part. Maybe, it's a good verse. Um, so they came and apologized to them and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out to prison and visited Lydia. When they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Walking in authority leads to change. You want to change the world you're living in? You got to walk in authority. Which means praying over the land. Which means casting out evil spirits when they come. Casting out devils. I keep telling the people at next level, get ready, you're going to see some stuff. They're going to manifest. I remember a night not too long, probably a year or two ago, when I just felt darkness in the church. Now I recognize we had a spirit of religion in the house at that point. I won't talk about all that and go into the details, but here's what I recognize. God wanted me to go back and pray. Can I just be honest with you? I went back to that church that night fully expecting some big old honking demon to meet me at the door. And I was going to cast him out. Put him in the head, right? What you looking at? Right? Got nothing on me. It ain't me, it's Jesus, right? So what's the Bible say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the name of Jesus, they must leave. He put all things under his feet, Ephesians tells us. And gave his head over to all things to the church, which is the body, fullness of him who fills all in all. I'm going to run skip down here because I feel like we're about to wrap this thing up. I said Jesus was the prime example. I, I got to read this out of Philippians. Y'all need to hear something. You need an example. Don't look at me. Don't look at the pastors and the prophets and the pastors and evangelists and teachers and apostles and all those in the house. You look at Jesus. Because here, let me, let me help you out. Philippians 2, 5, and 11, 5 through 11 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through or who though, here it is, you guys ready? Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. That ought to give you a reason to clap and rejoice. Amen. Amen. saying this, Jesus, even though he was God, he was sitting on the throne, he was in a comfortable place, come on, he could have said, no, no, they're not worth it, I'm not, I'm not, have you seen these people, come on, what do you think God's thinking about, the false prophets of the mainstream media, whichever you call them. What do you think he thinks about them right now? I died for you. I gave my life to you. And you want to make a mockery of me? Is it Galatians that said, God, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. In a world that's mocking him right now, God's not mocked. I died for you. Here's the deal. He done everything he can for you already. It's up to you now. Jesus died. He gave his life. Left the throne in heaven. Yes. Became a man. Yes. Died. Here's the best part. Y'all ready? Rose. Yes. Three days later, conquering death. So that you and I could have a hope in life. Did he have to do it? No, he didn't. Matter of fact, he don't have to use us. Y'all realize that, right? He chooses to use us. 
ought to be a privilege. Can I break it to you another way? Especially if you're sitting here and you don't know Jesus tonight. Can I break it to you another way? The God of the universe, the same God that created everything where they tell us the galaxy is endless, billions and billions and billions of light years out. Down to the smallest atom that created it all wants a relationship with you. Look at your neighbor and say, that makes you pretty special. Here's what you got to do. Everybody bow your heads tonight. We're going we're gonna to do it. Here we go. We got some music or something we're going to play here. If you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you're here tonight, that's fine. We're going to give you a chance here. If you're tuning with us online next week or even on Facebook Live, and you've never received Christ as your Savior, it's easy. You got to ask. You simply ask, you say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you made it from the bottom of your heart, wherever you're at, or if you're here. I'm here. If you meant that prayer, first thing I want to do is I'm going to ask you to get a little bold here tonight. I want you to get up and I want you to come down. Bible tells us if we don't confess it now, we're going to have to confess it before a whole lot of angels someday. If you're on mine, welcome to God's family. Your next step is you need to be baptized. Following in Jesus' footsteps. We got a baptism service Sunday. It's going to be fun. I love baptism services. But baptism isn't what saves you. It's your repentance. See, the prayer I pray, it's not about the words. The Bible says repent. Believe Jesus rose from the dead and you shall be saved. Matter of fact, one of the first, first verses I asked my pastor about when I surrendered to ministry, Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes shall be like them clothed in white. And I shall never erase his name from the book of life, but proclaim his name before my Father and his angels. He's an advocate. If you pray the prayer. If, and it can be done in your own way. You don't have to use my words. Give your heart to God. That's it. It's not about words. I repent. I'm sorry, God. I've messed up. I want to live for you, God. Please help me. Help me to do it. Forgive me, Lord. Come in my heart. I want to ask if you're going to pray with us tonight, come on down. If you want to pray, if you're in next level in your prayer, pastors, come on down. We're going to have a time of prayer. If you receive Christ, here's what we're going to do. I want you to tell one of these people that are coming to pray with you tonight that you receive Christ. If you're online, Find you a good church home. I don't care where it's at. As long as they are teaching discipleship and they're making disciples, you're in a good spot. And they're teaching the Word. Not some of these other churches that are teaching everything else but the Word. Find you a good church home. Let them minister to you. Now here's the other thing I want to do. I called Pastor Stephen two days after God spoke to me. I was planning to do an event in Jackson, Tennessee with some friends that got down there. And as I was praying about it that day, God very specifically told me, He said, No, not Jackson. Dexter, Missouri, Crusade Center, call Pastor Stephen. So here's the deal. 
Tonight is not an accident. We prayed. Didn't we? Those that were there praying with us. We prayed about the dates. This is where we landed. If you have prayer needs in your life, it doesn't have to be even just salvation. I want you to come. And I want you to let one of these prayer warriors pray with you tonight.